One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Going back and forth. Got an ass like an amphitheater. It begins with a U. It ends with an A. It has a male initial there. Monday Night Raw, number one. All right. Welcome, everyone, to the Cultaholic Classic Raw review. We are back in an era half a decade before the advent of Attitude, before the SmackDown Hotel had even got planning permission. We are in the turgid mid-90s, far removed from Hulkamania without a raft, except that one that looks a bit like a bus that's crashed into the beach. And who be we? I be Fake Geordie, radio presenter, your reigning cultaholic heavyweight champion, Tom Campbell. I am with the bear in the big blue bar cage, the man who many call the head pen of Cultaholic. Doesn't need a pencil. He gets it right every time. It's Justin Henry from off of America. You know, it's funny. In the year that we've done this show, I've uh, I've kind of noticed that nobody's actually ever called me the head pen. Really? I mean, I've been acknowledged as, you know, the script writer for Cultaholic. I've been acknowledged as, oh, he writes for Cultaholic. No one's actually used the terminology head pen aside from you. I like the whole term head pen because it kind of takes it back to a, a bygone era. With I like to think of you. I often think of you, Justin, because you know, because you're off of America and I am off mm. of the um, America, um, the, the America beater. That's an America beater. Ad. I'm like, you know, you won the war. I'm like, like not actually, according to my history books. That's actually no. Actually, no. What am I saying? Like, I'm in I'm in England and you're in the you're in the England beater. That surely makes more sense. Beta, I should say, rather than beta. <laughs> Much better. Need to, need to get me beaters from me beaters. Yeah, but yeah, so I imagine you uh, at like two o'clock in the morning with some soft jazz music playing in, in a darkened room. You've got a cigarette on the go and an ashtray full of other cigarettes and there's just smoke everywhere. And you've got a typewriter. You're like, clink, 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 clink. You're mopping sweat from your brow and you're like, God damn, clink, clink, clink. Is that what you look like or not? How hipstery do you think I am? <laughs> that hipster, mate. You are that hipster. <laughs> Uh, to draw a more accurate photo, I'm usually wearing one of the 47 Metallica shirts that I own, a pair of gym shorts, possibly a backwards baseball cap. At 2 in the morning, I am, I'm, I'm either guzzling Pepsi or an energy drink while I, while I click clack away on a keyboard. That is, that is a hot look. That is a hot look. Also, Did I don't smoke. We are in the middle of a heat wave here in the United Kingdom. So uh, I hear. Oh gosh, it's. I I know to the rest of the world, Justin, like twenty nine degrees really isn't worth getting out of bed for. But oh, we don't like it. We don't like it. Are oh, you using Celsius? I was confused for a second there. Oh, it's like eighty something Fahrenheit. 
Wait, that's it? Just 80? Hang on. <laughs> See what I mean? See what I mean? Everyone gives us grief. We're not used to this kind of weather. Hang on, hang on. 29 Celsius. It's 84 degrees. That's nothing. That's loads! Satire in me underpants. It's plenty. Okay, you know what? You know what? On Saturday, this past Saturday, it was 36.6 Celsius where you're at, but where I'm at. Oh, oh, okay. So, so I, I don't want to hear. Okay, I, I, you know what? I'm just gonna shut the front door no about how hot I am, and we are gonna get in our Ica Pro Power DeLorean and go back to Monday Night Raw from off of the past. Where and oh. when are we this week, Justin? Well, this is quite interesting because this is this aired two days after the Royal Rumble on January twenty fourth, nineteen ninety four. But but this episode here is so far in the can, you got to scrape it out with an actual scraper. Oh. It's the very bo- very bottom of the can. This is January tenth of ninety four, two weeks earlier from Richmond, Virginia, at the Coliseum. So this is like when you have one of those workplace parties, but but you're on like the late shift and you have the party on the morning shift. So what's left is just like you know the warmed over. What hasn't been eaten? Like all, all, all the good mashed potatoes are gone. All the entrees are gone. It's just a casserole that nobody wanted, and a bunch of you know apricot scrapings. So we are here at a very uninviting buffet, two days removed from the Royal Rumble. Yes, it, it's hardly a party whatsoever. What I would like to do before we go deeper into this episode of Monday Night Raw is thank Matthew Gregg for joining us for the watch along this past week. I don't know about you, Justin, but I don't think I and I've had lots of laughs doing this show with you for over a year. I don't think I've laughed as hard as I did last week. Well, the laughter will sure continue because Tenru's on every pay-per-view going forward. <laughs> and he is going to be all up in your grill. <laughs> Honestly, well, Matthew had well, a lovely time and Matthew's excited to do more. And do you know what? We are excited to have Matthew on again. Yeah, absolutely. Matthew was fantastic. We had a blast with him. We'll have him for the good shows and we'll have him for the bad shows. And the bad shows will have probably even more fun. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, because everybody's getting on my case about sort of taking over cultaholic a little bit at the moment oh it's don't listen to them tommy no it's fine because i'm building my team and this is this is the new world order of cultaholic it's me it's you and it's matthew Gregg. so which one of us is scott norton and which one's virgil well i (laughs) oh what a smorgasbord to choose from thing is neither of you drink that much so neither you can really be scott can you split virgil (laughs) Can we split Virgo? <laughs> what a turn of a phrase. You'll do it for ten dollars. Well, ten dollars is ten dollars. Who boy, um I tell you what, I'll, we'll we'll ponder that. Let's let's get check, cracking with Monday check, Night yes. Raw. <laughs> yes, we'll we'll uh, rain check that one. And I'll t- and even though this is post rumble. They're not beating around the bush with this show. They go right into the action as soon as the opening montage ends. Because this was taped two weeks ago, and this these matches are merely here just to be background for the stories coming out of the Rumble. And there and there are three stories coming out of the Rumble. One, The Undertaker's dead. Two, <laughs> Owen kicked Brett's leg out of his leg. And three, we have two Rumble winners. Everything else is just secondary at this point. We're just building to... 
these big WrestleMania stories, mainly, you know, who wins the Rumble and what what are Owen and Brett going to do and how are we going to replace Ludwig Borger going forward and all of that good stuff. It's very true. We are... What I like is that we are focused. Like, there is a focus now. Mm-hmm. I'm happy with this. Yeah, but the matches are basically just... On this week's show, the matches are so irrelevant that they're probably just having just Vince and JR to talk to the camera for 45 minutes. Yeah, they just, it does feel like they fill in a lot of storyline stuff. But there is a, one recurring theme with all the matches this week. And as we go through the show, we'll get to it. And uh, But there is, a, there is a theme that I spotted. Okay. Well, we start out with Lex Luger versus Austin Steele. Austin Steele from a distance. If you were a quarter mile away from Austin Steele, he'd be a spitting image of 1991 Ric Flair. He does have a bit of the nature boy about him, doesn't he? The, the same kind of knee pads to the, and the boots. He has the uh, blonde flowing hair. These, this sort of not that chiseled physique. Well, in his case, he was a little... Flair's obviously in better shape than Austin Steele. Which, which I should point out, Austin Steele, great name. Brilliant name, isn't it? He's had a tough time lately, though, because um, it was not long, uh, not long before this show that Austin Steele lost his PWF Heavyweight Championship to Russian Assassin Number Two. So he's in a tough way at the moment. Is Austin Steele could do with a win? Well, I'll tell you, what, I was a big fan of Russian Assassin Number Two because he answered all the questions that were left unanswered by Russian Assassin Number One. <laughs> oh, Although Russian Assassin number three season of The Witch was totally unnecessary. So yes, as noted, Jim Ross is, is the guest commentator to speak with Vince McMahon. And this is I, – I realize that JR and Vince would work together a lot in future years, but this feels so out of place in 1994. Do you know why? Because I think it's because Jim Ross is so young, and it feels so like fresh and – untainted by the world. He looks like so bright-eyed and bushy-tailed to be there. Yeah, it's it, it, it's the antithesis of, of, of the Jared that we would come to know, the older, wiser, a, a, a bit, like, shall we say lovably curmudgeonly in some ways, but but also but also older and wiser. And, and, and this Jared, I, I, I should point out, this is, um, this is right before, this actually airs maybe like a week or so before he suffers his first occurrence of Bell's palsy, unfortunately. Oh, so that's actually... terrible. I didn't realize it was that near. So it actually is very interesting uh, timing that this episode airs. And he was let go from the company not long after that, as he noted in his 96 work shoot interview, which we'll cover in two and a half years. So this, is, uh, this isn't the best time of Jim Ross's life coming up. He, he goes through quite an ordeal, unfortunately. But it is good to see him here on this show and, and to hear kind of old school JR call an episode of Monday Night Raw, which is very, very, very rare. So yes, it's Lex Luger versus Austin Steele. And Vince begins this match by bragging about Raw's ratings. Because... Oh god, yeah, he was over the moon with the figures, wasn't he? <laughs> yes, something's never changed. And he was like, like the highest rated show on cable last week. We're, we're, we're America's favorite Monday Night Raw. He was utterly in his pomp. Very much, I imagine he was this past week when he saw the figures. If I could point something, oh yes, but uh, Raw was up this week because of a uh, Raw reunion. But this was, 
this is January. This is maybe a few weeks after the end of Monday Night Football for the season. So ratings always go up in January no matter what. And you can see why, you know, you couldn't wait to hold that one out. We're doing better now because we don't have football to take away from us. <laughs> why let the facts get in the way of a good story, though? Well, he's possibly telling the truth, but it's just... It's why all the big angles don't begin until January. Not just because it's WrestleMania season, because they want to make sure that everyone possible is watching at that point. When the Great Migration comes back and everyone returns from their football laws throughout throughout the autumn. Does everybody fly south for the football? Uh, that's possibly one way of putting it, sure. Is it connected to sweep season in America? I think sweeps is more February and May. Yeah. Maybe November also. It's just football Football season ends at the end of December, early January. And then, well, these days, there's a big uh, college football national title game in January, like the second week of January. And then after, after that, that's when they start bringing the big guns out on roll. Right, okay. Like, like, all right, now we're in the clear because, well, we'll see in next January. Like, one of these. Anyway, just forget all that. That's that. That's that. I'm getting way off track here. Uh, just, I would say, Justin, that uh, Vince McMahon here is is beaming with pride for Lex Luger, who won half a Royal Rumble. Many of you saw the Royal Rumble last Saturday night on pay per view. What a weekend it was for Lex Luger to draw a pretty decent number coming into the Royal Rumble number 23, and Lex Luger could not be denied. Meanwhile, Jim Ross thinks that Brett was the, was the actual Rumble winner, which I'm sure Miss made up with him in the ribs server. Because that that's what you want to see when it's like Lex Luger can't really get a break because he's walking down to the ring. He's won half a Royal Rumble. And there's Vince going, hey, what a guy. What are you making the Rumble, Jim? And Jim Ross goes, yeah, Brett should have won it. <laughs> Lex is I kind of wish Lex would have been in earshot and you just see his face drop. Well, by God, Vince, I was up in the radio WBF booth, and it looked like Luger's feet hit the floor first while Brett was still floating like, like Jesus <laughs> over top of the water. <laughs> oh, Luger, you just can't get a break, mate. Lex is a, he works a headlock for a long time in this match because this is very obviously the you know just stall while we discuss what's going on in the world kind of show. <laughs> and he's work. He's working that headlock, but fortunately, we are treated to some exuberant Luger selling. When Olsen Steel hits him with these elementary forearms of the back into the chest, the, ah, ah. It wasn't until I, I watched OSW Review with Jay Hunter, love you, Jay, that I realized how noisy Lex Luger is when he's being attacked. Everything is, ah, e, oh, my God. <laughs> Just a noisy boy when he's fighting. I now want more than ever to have Lex Luger remake Nicolas Cage's version of The Wicker Man, just for the B scene at the end. Well, if only we knew somebody that could perhaps conjure up what that would look like. If only we knew somebody, Justin. The the world-famous John Eiley, perhaps? Oh, that's a good idea. John! John! Luger in the Luger in the Wicker Man. Yes, the bad Wicker Man, not the good one. Yep, the bees bit in particular. If you want to put Luger in a bear outfit and have him punch somebody, more power to you. Do both. Yes. We, you, you had quite an easy night 
uh, when we did the Rumble Watch Along. What I love is, I spoke to Matthew today, uh, mm-hmm. on the day of recording this, and Matthew went, oh, I didn't think John would actually make what I said. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's what he does. Thanks for paying attention. <laughs> oh, Matthew, he's a very busy man. He's a busy man. He's got all that, yeah, all those things. Yeah. Botching. <laughs> Bachermanian, whatnot. To be fair, he does scour the world for all the times that people do their job badly, and that does take a lot of time, to be fair. So big love to Matthew for even coming to see us. He does Bachermania for all walks of life, including um, like sewing accidents, industrial accidents. I like the idea of just like providing a botchamania for different places, like a political botchamania, which is like, I don't know, Donald Trump's entire thing. And like, a, you know, a, a, a small, an MP falling over in Parliament, all of Brexit, you know, some real political botches. He does a birthmark basement called Blotchamania. He does... Um, oh, he does. Oh, no, he does it on. He's found really, really old recordings on very old uh, Nickelodeons of some great wrestlers from the past, but just one in particular, and it's called Gotcha Mania. Well, even better than that, he does one that involves drinking game mishaps with groundskeeper Willie called Scotcha Mania. <laughs> He does one for people that he he does one for people that stream playing games on the internet but always get their I's and their O's mixed up and it's called Twatchamania. I'm so tired. (laughs) How about the one he does where people hit uh, hit their balls on things called Crotchamania? man getting hit by football <laughs> or the one of the guy being hypnotized watch a mania oh nice nice and it's also that is also the one where uh you trip over a timekeeper <laughs> or the one where he eats all the chips called nacho mania nacho mania oh nice okay um one which is just randy savage blunders called macho mania <laughs> I don't know how this works. <laughs> I don't know what this means. <laughs> so anyway, Lex Luger, who is, who is, um, he's selling. He's, ah, ah, ah. during this match, they, they plug WrestleMania tickets for Madison Square Garden. During Luger's match, he, he gets the, hey, if this is boring here, here's some text for you. <laughs> is this, is it in this match where they announced that you can, place your order over the phone and the way they said it made the idea of buying something over the phone feel so foreign it, it may have been uh, i'll be fair i was kind of watching it until like 10 30 last night so i may have missed some key details because this was a boring show it was a long boring show luger almost makes it interesting with the finish when he superplexes uh austin steel and, and they almost go sideways at one point in mid move but thankfully, Luger managed to land the plane properly. What a Luger. So Luger wins, and, um, well, I mean, the heat machine was happy. I, like, a superplex is, is an impressive move. Yes. It, it is, but it's, I've never known it be a finisher. Well, Barry Windham used it for a finish years ago, so did Cowboy Bob Orton. Oh, there we go. I stand corrected. Yeah, but that was years ago. Like, we li- like this is the mid-90s now, where Adam Bomb's doing a powerbomb. 
It's like it just. It, you know I what? don't think that move seems to fit Lex Luger like a superplex. In this era, on WF Raw for Sega Genesis and Super Nintendo, you could win a brawl match with a stomp. Could you? Yes, because all, all, all you had to do was drain your energy's opponent's energy meter, and whatever move was the last move before it ran out was to finish. So you could just stop the guy to yeah, you could just stop the guy to the end. You could hit him with an atomic drop and then just rage arms. Hey, I won. <laughs> okay, okay. I get. I guess the suplex doesn't seem as bad then. God bless you, LJN. <laughs> Purveyor of so, appalling games. So before we, so, so now we do the show run now because we didn't have one at the start of it and started the event. I hope yeah, you're going to make reference to a key moment in WWF history that is about to happen. I may need your help for this. Okay, don't worry. In discussing men on a mission versus the head shrinkers, Vince McMahon asks for Jim Ross's opinion. And for the first time in the history of WWF Raw... We hear the word slobber knocker. Oh, right. I, I did uh, notice that. I, you I, I, are privy, listened, my but... friend, to the world's first slobber knocker. He may have said it at Mania 9. I'm not sure. He didn't say it on Raw because it's the first time he said it in Vince's company because he, he sets it up to go, back home where I'm from in Oklahoma, we call this uh. a slobber knocker. And Vince is like, huh, that's a funny word. I bet that <laughs> won't catch on. <laughs> he say That's that. a funny word. I'd have called him Shazwazers. <laughs> I'd have called him Zippy Doodahs. <laughs> yeah, watch Twatchamania. <laughs> it's, it's not what you think it is. No, it's not. For people that can, it's too hard to complicate, too complicated to explain now. But Slobberknocker. Yes, first Slobberknocker on Monday Night Raw. <laughs> Vince didn't make a face when JR said that because it's a, uh, yeah, it, it, it's two different worlds here, Vince and JR. And it means right this word, it's which is such a, it, it's, to the non wrestling fan, it's such a peculiar coin of phrase, but it's a phrase that really embodies the sound of wrestling commentating for decades. Like when you do an impression of a wrestling commentator, you're normally doing an impression of Jim Ross. Mm -hmm. And he, the amount of matches that he has called a slobber knocker, the amount of nights, the prestigious evenings, I'm sure he said AEW's uh, Fight for the Fallen was going to be a slobber knocker. Let's remember that the first ever slobber knocker was Men on a Mission versus the Head Shrinkers. So this is the match that JR has based everything else on for the last 20 plus years. Mm -hmm. This is a gold standard here. This is a gold standard slobber knocker. Diddle -diddle -diddle -diddle. <laughs> there was a slobber knocker match in the SmackDown video games, and it was birthed from this. Yeah. Yes, it was. How did you? What was it? Was it like just like a non-stop rumble? It was like a gauntlet, pretty much. Like how, how many guys can you beat in a row before you finally uh, keel over? Yeah, that was it. See, and then it all began here.
I'd win so many. They start importing guys from other games for me to beat. Oh, yeah, really? Knocking out, like, knocking out Mario, knocking out <laughs> Zelda. Um, <laughs> the, the L-shaped puzzle piece from Tetris. The, the Daytona car? <laughs> A Bobo from Double Dragon. Oh, nice. The piece of meat from Golden Axe. <laughs> um, the, the dog from Duck Hunt. I got a huge popper kick in his ass. The duck from Duck Hunt. No, the dog. No, but the duck as well. Oh, it's well. Separate. I shot, I shot. Separate ass kickery. See, me and the dog had a ladder match where the duck is at. You know, after you shoot him down, he grabs him, but he, he doesn't give him to you. <laughs> this is. I want. I want to work for your federation. It sounds amazing. <laughs> ah, video games where anything could happen. So yes, in addition, in addition to mom versus the head shrinkers, we have the following people providing you know front scenery for the for the commentary storytelling: Jeff Jarrett, Shawn Michaels, Adam Bomb, and Donnie the Clown, all in action this week. It's a lot of oh, matches this week, isn't there? There are six matches on this show. Why? I don't know. Again, I think it's as you as you rightly put at the very beginning. This is just. The last of the buffet that was a TV taping, mm. and it's just let's just get these bits that we've still got, and let's just is, stick them out. Yeah, this is just the scraps at this point. This is just the foreground for some exposition. And we jump to the post Rumble report with Todd Pettengill, who has the audacity to call the Rumble match entertaining. That had to be the most intense, grueling, exhausting, but entertaining one on one match of all time. <laughs> he also called it <laughs> He, he kind of he kind of retconned it a bit because he was saying like the the toughest, the 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 deepest, the darkest, but most entertaining Royal Rumble that we've ever seen. He also called it grueling, which was accurate. Grueling, that was it. I think then he realised all the words he was using to describe it made it sound really crap. So let's just put entertaining <laughs> on the end. The most insidious, the most mind-numbing, the most. <laughs> brain-melting rubble you've ever seen in your entire life. Soul-crushing. <laughs> Morale-killing Royal Rumble ever. <laughs> Did Kabuki get a nod here? Did he? I, I, I'm sure I heard either him or Vince at some point in the night say, Kabuki! Uh, I think he may have when they were discussing how Luger had to overcome him in Tenru. Yeah, might have been, it might have been Vince then that said that. You can order the encore on Tuesday night in order to watch a man die, because they plugged that quite a bit. Yeah, they were very like, hey, the Undertaker's passed on. Order it again. It was running up against something presidential, wasn't it? Yes, the it encore. was the, the annual State of the Union address. And Vince went on to talk about like how America's all about choice. You can choose the pay-per-view, you can choose State of the Union. It's like it's all about choice. Like, well, I could choose between WWF or AEW. Like, like no, you know, they're crap because they do the Attitude Era stuff. <laughs> Based on what Vince, based on what Vince said at his uh, investors' conference call today, where he, he called AEW possible combat competition. Oh, that's an upgrade from no threat whatsoever to. Well, anyway, I haven't I haven't heard the conference call yet. I, that's that's on my list of things to listen to in the morning. I thought you were trying to wake yourself up. <laughs> well, I figured, you know, it's it's either that or hearing um, Brian and Vinny again. And I want to break from them a little bit. Right. This isn't going in the podcast. I'm going to edit this bit out. But it, this this killed me this morning. I was listening to Brian and Vinny on the way in. 
Brian Alvarez, who was talking about the changes to the network. And Brian Alvarez, without a hint of irony, is saying, the whole thing is so badly laid out. Like, I, I can't find where the hidden gems are. Like, I couldn't even tell you now where hidden gems are. I've, I was like, do you not appreciate how funny what you're saying is? And he, do, he at no point did he crack. I don't think he realized what he was saying. This sucked. <laughs> And I forgot to get his words. Yeah, one good. <laughs> we should just do the Brian and Vinny show for him. <laughs> this is like a cover band. Jeff Jarrett versus John Paul Jones from Led Zeppelin. Ah, uh, John Paul. If if only it were John Paul Jones. I th- I I put in my notes John Paul being accompanied by George Ringo. <laughs> <laughs> of course you did. Hey, right. It's a question for you. Go on. John Paul. John Paul Jones from Led Zeppelin later formed a band with Josh Hom from uh, Queens of the Stone Age and Dave Grohl from the Food Fighters and Nirvana. Do you know what that band was called? Who is da- Josh Hom and Dave Grohl? Yes, Josh Hom, Dave Grohl, and John Paul Jones. Oh, it was... Vul- Vul- Vultures? You're close. Vultures? You're close. That's one of the three words that's in it. Alex just shouted it, them crooked vultures. You are correct. Oh, get in. Well done, Alex. Had a really good song called Dead End Friends. Is that is that worth a listen? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I'll listen to Dead End Friends. So while you look up Dead End Friends, quite possibly, I will, I will discuss the most asinine thing that Jim Ross and Vince Mann would ever discuss on this show. <laughs> okay. Now, Tom, you watched the Rumble with Matthew and I. I you certainly did. The, the moment that Lex Luger and Bret Hart went over the top, all I hear now is Matthew going, I'll be your winner! <laughs> <laughs> well, do you recall Jeff Jarrett's performance in the match? Um, no, I don't really recall it. Was it I wonder whether it was because it was bad. Well... Jim Ross at one point says, Jared did quite well in the, in the WBF Royal Rumble. And then Vince Leon says, he lasted a long time. How long did he last? Hang on, I'm looking it up. Um, remember that counting game that Baron Corbin fans at NXT would chant? One, two. Uh, Baron Corbin fans is kind of a foreign concept. Oh, yeah, that was good, that bit. It was him, and was it um, Bull Dempsey? Bull Dempsey. Correct. So, so, like, so Baron Corbin would have a match, and the ca- crowd would count to see how quick they could win. And then, as he was walking up the ramp, Bull Dempsey would come out for a match, and they count Bull Dempsey. Mm-hmm. That was fun. That was when Baron Corbin was fun. So here's your answer. Jeff Jarrett lasted one minute and nineteen seconds. <laughs> see, not even Vince was watching the Royal Rumble. If Bruce is on headset, that was one of the best ribs he ever pulled. <laughs> I have a question for you. Yes, sir. Do you think that John Paul was actually quite good? Mm-hmm. I liked I him. Agree. John Paul had some pretty good squash matches. He'd get in some offense. He looked very fluid. I mean, he was kind of kind of on the skinny rail side. 
I mean, he may not have had a star look to him, but he, he was a damn good wrestler. I think I think he had the potential to have a, a star. I mean, there's certainly stars that look worse than him. Like he had the full head of hair. He had some physique going on. He, he was crisp with some of his moves. Like Jarrett <laughs> gave him a lot in this match. <laughs> he looked the one from Perfect Strangers that wasn't Balky. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> I mean, I mean, with all due respect, John, John Paul was in the match we were seeing. I, mean, I, I know we had a mat, match versus Rick Martel. It was maybe but, but, perhaps like a month or two ago. He's very good. I liked him. He's not some dumpy guy they found that just put in put in some role for a night. This guy had potential. And I uh, feel like. This week, and as we go through Raw, you'll probably agree. I think all the enhancement guys this week are really good. I'd say most of them are. But they've all come off the same sort of training route. Most of them, as you say, not all of them, but the majority of them are really good. They're all like Carolina guys because because this is based in the, in the Virginia Carolina area. So you know, a lot of guys there they have sort of that you know, I guess you know, working style. And of course, George Shaft was part of these tapings who at this point is the best jobber in the history of the show to this point. <laughs> Fun fact about John Paul. He lost a dark match on Nitro in, in the fall of 1997 to the future Val Venus. No way! According to Cage Match, that's what oh, happened. Oh, wow! That's like one of his last matches according to that site. So this whole So this whole match, Vince and JR just basically ignoring everything while... Uh, John Paul plays scrappy near finish after scrappy near finish. And Jarrett wins with A, his cool ass running DDT, B, the figure four leg lock, C, a rolling reverse cradle where he pulls the tights. Well, I know the answer to this. But should have been that. It should have been the DDT which they retconned immediately after, but it was the, the pull of the tights. Yeah, it's... They spent approximately 17 years with these Jarrett vignettes. Like, ah, goddamn politics. Like, I, I, I can't record a song around here. They're holding it back. The hell with Garth Brooks. Then, after all of that, he shows up and has trouble with jobbers. Now, is this a... Vince McMahon thing, or is this a Jeff Jarrett being too giving thing? I could see it being a little bit of both, maybe. I mean, maybe they're trying to go for the honky tonk man route, where you know he's not portrayed as being particularly tough or strong or anything, so he kind of has to con his way to winning matches. So the so the, so the fans will you know hate him more. Something of painting him as a dirty heel. Yeah, one who's insufferable and. Possibly incompetent, but has to cheat his way to, to winning matches, which is kind of weird because I mean, because I mean, Jarrett's being more well built at this point. I mean, he flexed his arm at one point during his match. He, I, I can't recall his arms ever being that big. He was in good shape, despite the fact he was wearing ridiculous attire. It was well, a good was look. That. He was at a good look at this point for Jarrett. It's like his nipples were in jail. <laughs> so the running DDT follows after the match because. Jarrett's got to get his heat back after winning. That's how you know you're doing good. That was very... That, yeah. And I, I don't know... Again, it's that thing of... That lack of refinement. Like the fact his music kept on playing whilst he beat him up with a DDT. 
I'm just laughing that he had to get his heat back after winning. After, <laughs> after, oh, it's... that might be a wrestling history. Like, I've heard of getting your heat back after losing to the end safe face. <laughs> to prove that you're That's... still brilliant after beating the guy. <laughs> Rocket ship to the moon, that kind of push. What a weird, what a weird way to treat your new guy. See, we're even yawning during this show. Exactly. That's what it's done to me. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Well, next week we have one, two, three, kids of Johnny Polo, allegedly. Oh, oh, okay. There's shenanigans expected. Uh, there might be. Oh, I hate shenanigans. Now we come to the main event, which is the third match out of six. <laughs> let's just stick the main event in all the different places now Vincent Jarrett has like done commentary of like a snuff film <laughs> <laughs> like, like the green screen adventures they have on like you know whose line is it anyway just put something on the screen that makes no sense and just have Vincent Jarrett say hey how about Undertaker he sure died good <laughs> we're back in the one two three kid is returning For success. Indeed, this will be the biggest test to date here in the WWF for men on a mission. Men on a mission versus the Head Shrinkers. Oscar now has a hat. <laughs> I, I like how that is a big development. <laughs> Oscar now has a hat. He's the Malibu Stacy of useless managers. <laughs> Just got a hundred different outfits for him. John, I want a Malibu Oscar. John, Malibu Oscar. Thank you, please. Um, <laughs> with a poseable head and maybe a spaceman <laughs> outfit as well. Wait, wait, did you say poseable or opposable? Um, his, his, his neck works. <laughs> I, I, I meant poseable, but I said opposable. And I stand by it. His trick, you can now build tools. <laughs> a, great, a great politician should go, yes. Yes, that was the point. I do want the trachea. <laughs> Opposable neck. Please give me... Okay, John, extra points. If on the Malibu 
the Malibu Oscar figure, there is... There's a... <laughs> I'm killed. I'm killing Justin. It's a sticker that says, now with a poseable head. <laughs> because we're a toy-making mammal, and now that the neck is a poseable <laughs> we've had the evolutionary advantage. Oscar, <laughs> Oscar, you're evolving, mate. I'm proud of you. <laughs> I, sw- I, I swear we're not on anything. <laughs> we're just really tired and punchy. We've, we've, and we're both just awful. tired. <laughs> it's the simple things that amuse us. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Oscar's opposable head is ringside. Yes. <laughs> no, opposable neck. Get it right. Sorry, his opposable neck. Sorry. Fully functioning trachea. Yeah. Fun fact about Fatu here. And this is, I almost don't want to make light of this because I don't know. It, it was vague what Dave said on The Observer this week. But you know how Rikishi was on the Raw Reunion episode? Yes. He, he was there for his sons when they faced a revival who had Devon Dudley with him. Because somebody had him with him, I guess, and Arn's not there anymore. According to Meltzer, there were a lot of medical red flags before the show where some of the old-timers couldn't do certain things because they didn't pass their physicals or whatever. Like Pat Patterson would be a 24-7 title change. He couldn't do anything physical because, I mean, he is 78 years old, and they wouldn't allow him to do anything that even resembled strenuous activity. But apparently, Melcher said that Rikishi didn't pass his physical and was therefore not allowed to give stink faces to Devon or the Revival. You know what that means, don't you? Piles. Or a bad stomach. It could be that. It sounds like it sounds like he had IBS, and when you have IBS, the last thing you should be doing is giving somebody a stink face. He's, he's giving him the brown eye. Oh God, <laughs> that's a brown down. Sorry, Simon Miller, I've just stole your thing. <laughs> Dash is drowning. <laughs> I think that's what it was, and I mentioned this on the on on the channel. And I got balked up. I'm like, no, I genuinely think that was like, like if it was, if it was anything else, if it was like an, an arm injury, you could, of course, you could still push your bum in someone's face. If it was like, <laughs> if you had a concussion, you could probably still push someone's bum in your face. But I think if you've got a bad stomach, you do with, with, you know, with the potential for it to go horribly wrong, you don't want to be pushing someone's bum in your face. I mean, because that's just, that's a, it's just a thing. It's just like, you know, I, I don't want to you know, I mean, joke about it too much because, you know, it could be a, a heart condition. Who, who knows what it could be? They don't want him doing anything, you know, where he's, he's inside the ring moving around and it could be a, a liability issue or whatever. I, I don't – it just, it just it sounds be, funny, though. It could be, yeah. It, 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 yeah, we're not making light if he is poorly, but we <laughs> yes, are yes. more making light of the way that it was, it was reported. It's just a weird thing here. Here's Dave in his dignified voice. So apparently, uh, Rikishi, um, he couldn't pass his physical, so he couldn't do the stink face to Devon or the Revile. It's like, what walk of life otherwise could you say that sentence? <laughs> not... With a straight face and not see the irony in it. <laughs> it's, it's just, wrestling has entered that sort of plane of reality or, anti- or surreality where, you, where these things pass by and it's just like, wow, it doesn't even occur to you that you said that in passing. It's so true, and that's partly why I love it so much. It's during this match that, that 
that we're reminded this is supposed to be the Headstreakers versus Brett and Owen Hart. But of course, Brett and Owen Hart are no more after the leg kicking out of, out of legging on Saturday. They should have made them tag together. They should have gone, no, this was your match. You've got to have the match. Okay, listen, we forgot to put cards up at the change on the on the poster. So we, <laughs> we, we kind of have to go through with this. Continuity, Vince. You've been hot on that this week. Continuity. <clears throat> Vince suspects that we'll never see Brett and Owen team up again. Wait three years. Oh. And, and Vince also tells us that, that Owen will be giving an exclusive interview on All-American Wrestling on Sunday. Oh, like a... we'll have to wait till the Cultaholic Classic All-American Wrestling Review to start before we can talk about that. I mean, All-American was like circling the drain at this point. That's like saying AJ Styles can discuss why he turned on Ricochet on this episode of the main event, which you can watch in 28 days on the network. <laughs> Find out why Rikishi did it for The Rock on WWF Metal. <laughs> I did it for the people. Coming up next, Kai and Tai in action. Actually, you know what? Forget about what I said about Vince and Jared discussing Jared's Rumble performance, but being the most asinine thing I ever heard on this show. I forgot I forgot this part. I'm going to read the following 13 words verbatim. It's two lines. Line one is, Vince calls Oscar a student of the game. Line two. <laughs> line two I wrote, what the hell is this? <laughs> so, are we taking from this that he was the first person considered for the game gimmick? Well, I mean, he is a better singer than Lemmy. <laughs> I just dodged a lightning bolt there. Holy. <laughs> they say I'm a student of the game. Well, I am the game. <laughs> Um, yeah, so anyway, uh, we get my favorite headshaker spot in the world, which is when someone slams their head into the mat, and they spring right up, and they throw a savat kick immediately. And a lot of savat kicks in this match. Well, it's the headshakers. Savat kick for their... party. Yes, they were the original Young Bucks. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I will always mark out for that spot. You know, Bulldog to Simone, he springs right up. Ah, throws a kick right at their head. It never gets old. Then Jim Ross says, Mo made the mistake of styling and profiling. <laughs> Is he Ric Flair now? Well, I mean, bleach uh, blonde hair, it makes sense. And same championship pedigree. At this point, I wrote my notes for no reason whatsoever. Fatu and Mabel would team up with Armageddon six years later. Oh, they would, wouldn't they? Which is a factual statement. Oh, blimey. And they faced the Holly Cousins. And we'll, and we'll see Bob later on this show. Oh, what a weird amalgamation of 2000s wrestling. <laughs> you ever watch Seinfeld? Yes. You ever see the Bizarro Jerry episode? No. Where Elaine has, has three new male friends who resemble Jerry, Kramer, and George in many ways, but, but they're like the opposite personality-wise. And uh, there's a scene where they end, they end like coming face to face with each other, the the Jerry's and the Bizarro Jerry's. I'm not familiar with this. It was like later season when they were running out of ideas. But the point is, I want to see like the Attitude Era come face to face with 
with this pre-new generation era, and, and to see everyone face to face with each other. Rikishi with Fatu, Bob Holly with Sparkplug, Kid with Xbox. Because this is like pre-larval attitude here. I would. Uh, do you know what? That is a beautiful way to describe it. Pre-larval mm-hmm. attitude here. Yankum's checking Kane's teeth. Kane pushes him away. I'd like that. Because, that sounds like something they do on a Joey Janela show. <laughs> Both takers come face to face. They give each other the Lenny Leonard thumbs up. Looking good, big fella. Both takers come face to face. Then suddenly, from from the one side of the ring comes Punisher Dice Morgan. <laughs> and mean Mark Callis. Oh, my days. Lads on tour. So Vince and Jared are, are, are discussing Brett Nolan for this entire match, and this is a long match. This is like 13 minutes. It did feel long. I didn't know whether I didn't look at the timestamp on it, but it felt long. Yes, it, it I just was, feel like I watched Mo get beaten up by the head shrinkers for about three days. We did get to see a Mabel spinning heel kick at one point. Say what you about Mabel, but that spot was always awesome. He does get shoved over the top rope at one point, and the Samoan splash finishes Mo. Kind of a weird botch pin where Mo tries to kick out afterwards or whatever. It was a kind of a decent big guy match. But then right after the match, Mabel clotheslines both head shrinkers, and, they, and then they cut away to a commercial immediately. Like, who the hell edited this show? It was. It did feel suddenly quite rushed. I thought maybe they were going to come back and there was going to be some more. But no, that was it. That was the end. And at the end. After the clothesline, Fatu and Sammy went back to their home planet. <laughs> like Poochie. Poochie, um, the fourth head shrinker. I would like to give a little nod to Mabel, who... In the brief time he was in this match, did a flying clothesline that ended in an ass bump, which would look pretty cool. Plus that spinning heel kick. And the spinning heel kick. Which, uh, that's a that's a Nelson Fraser special. That is. Yeah, he he's always good for that move once in a while. And then we come to one of the few jobbers on this show that can hold a candle to Mr. George Shale. I'm not talking Adam Bomb, but it's Adam Bomb versus Tommy Angel. Oh, the American Eagle, Tommy Angel. Uh, so you know Tommy Angel. I'm, Tommy I'm, I'm slightly hitting. familiar with his terminology. Um, Tommy, I know for a fact that he used to be known as TNT as well. He's wrestled for WCW, All Japan Pro Wrestling, Smoky Mountain Wrestling, I'm going through his matches from 1992 in All Japan. He wrestled as part of the Summer Action Series. He teamed with Dan Spivey to face Doug Furness and Dan Crawford. He lost an 11-minute match to Kenta Kobashi. This man has been places. Tommy Angel's had an extensive career. He was was, was in a job for WF back in the 80s. But you get a good feel for that. You get a feel that he's traveled a lot. Yeah, Tommy Angel is no spring chicken here. Even Jim Ross acknowledges knowing a bit about Tommy Angel, which is which is kind of weird to hear in that era when kayfabe was, you know, still paramount. Vince plugs a TV, a TV movie called Invasion of Privacy, starring Robbie Benson. Ooh, sounds classy. 
Well, this particular movie is it got four point eight on IMDb. You'll be pleased to know. Anything between a four and a five point nine has a chance of being on USA Network in the nineties. They were just. I always like when Vince announces the films. It's always some tawdry sex film that involves like like sex tapes and blackmail and things like that. It's never anything like. In this update of On Golden Pond, you're going to see <laughs> this reimagining. <laughs> well, here you see Adam Bomb taking down Tommy Angel. And how about when uh, in Watership Down, the rabbits took down everybody? You'll find out tonight how they did. <laughs> you said never in the 90s. Like, like every movie was like a spin-off of Silk Stockings. <laughs> Silk Stockings has a massive expanded universe that people don't truly realize. It's bigger than the MCU. It's spawned in CIS. <laughs> you know, um, basically, Silk Stockings is where all major cop dramas have come from. Yes, that everything, was the. Uh... Everything from all the NCISs to Lie to Me starring Tim Roth to Vera. Starring Brenda Blevlin here in the UK. All spin-offs of Silk Stockings. And they all dress like like uh, Rob Estes and was it Mitzi Capture? I can't even remember now. John, the point is... John, can you do a match graphic of Adam Bomb versus Vera from off of Vera? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Just wanted to top of my head. <laughs> you are sleepy. <laughs> I'm sleepy boy today. I've been up since five. You did hit record, right? No. Are we recording? <laughs> <laughs> so, Vince continues his string of surreality here by suggesting that Tommy Eno could pull a Michael Jackson and go for a settlement. Oh, God, he was shoe-on in so much topical nonsense at this point. It's like... <laughs> okay, I... I can't think of a better way to have gotten that reference into the show, but why did you have to make that reference? And why is this still topical in 2019? Holy... <laughs> Vince McMahon, you enigma, you. So Bomb hits this awesome flying clothesline at one point, which should have been the finish. I mean, it was the it was almost barbarian hitting Tito Santana with a clothesline at WrestleMania 6 level. It was one hell of a move. But nope, he's got to keep going. Fishes with the kneeling Adam Smasher power bomb, and then Jr. ties it in with a. Uh, I think he compared Har- Harvey to a uh, Andrew Giuliani, the son of Mayor Rudy Giuliani, which is a topical reference at the time. At, at Giuliani's inauguration in '94, kind of stealing the show with his aping for the camera, which is not as funny today. But was that what he was comparing it to? Yes. Okay. Andrew Giuliani was. He was probably about 12 years old, if that, and he was kind of just almost like mimicking his dad while he talked and flailing his arms around. This was pretty funny. Chris Farley even imitated on Saturday Night Live as a giant version of Andrew Giuliani. <laughs> so it, it was definitely like a national story when that happened. Just like when I come to the World Wrestling Federation, I'm going to be wide open, pedal to the metal. And 
So we get a vignette for old Sparky, Bob Holly, race car driver. He says at one point, and keep in mind, keep in mind, this is Bob Holly. This is hardcore Holly, the man who chops and chops and chops and chops his way through young wrestlers, developmental talents, and just makes them cry for their mommy. He says with his fist balled, I'm so excited I can't stand it. I think when it comes to this gimmick, one part of that sentence was right and one part of that sentence was wrong. <laughs> may I guess which half it was? You may indeed, sir. I bet he was really excited. Oh, no can of Coke for you, I'm afraid. I don't doubt that he did. he's a skilled race car driver, but... Happy Smiley Bob is not the real Bob. I feel like Bob was furious with this. And he just bottled up all that anger. And then as soon as he was on Tough Enough, somebody must have gone, hey, I remember when you were Thurman Plug. And that was it. He was gone. No, he probably snapped for a different reason. Like, like, like he, he, was, he was already teeming over the edge. And someone said, like, it's supposed to rain tomorrow. Then Bob snapped. Or he, or he went into he went into a uh, he went to McDonald's. And they said, "Oh, we've sorry, we just stopped doing breakfast." <laughs> I just I just pulled up Bob Holly's book. I was going to scroll through it real fast and maybe try to find the. Uh... Is it written in like angry scrawling pen? Uh, no. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Whilst Justin uh, Henry flicks through Bob Holly's book, here's oh, some soft jazz. Apparently, it was JJ Dillon who came up with the name. What, the, the name's Thurman Plug? He says, it wasn't what I would have chosen, but I figured it could have been worse. <laughs> he he goes on the right over being the, terrible. He goes on the right over the next couple of years, he'll bring some truly ridiculous gimmicks like Duke Trucy, a wrestling garbage man, Henry Godwin, a wrestling hog farmer, and Mantar, half wrestler, half bull, total bullshit. <laughs> some people just wrong. keep rolling ones. <laughs> uh, basically Holly's attitude towards this was while I was getting paid and that's all that mattered yeah I mean so. yeah he, I, I'm mind you he's saying how excited he is to come to the World Wrestling Federation wasn't he in the Rumble yes he was okay I'm just checking well he he did fill in for one two three kid who was hurt right okay but yet we're still going with these I'm debuting soon vignettes well because it's not right order the Rumble yet that's it that's why the replays tomorrow night. <laughs> okay, okay. So, so anything that happened in the rumble isn't truly canon until the replay. <laughs> yeah. So they're they're waiting to update Tinker's tombstone for whenever uh, people, everybody sees the show. Right. You know what okay. date to put on it. That makes sense. <laughs> so yeah, Bob High's coming, and he and he's ex he's so excited he's friggin' beside himself. <laughs> he is so excited he just punched a wall. <laughs> now, Principal Skinner, you're you're called the funny one of the group. Is that reputation justified? Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> and this, and that's why Bob Holly beat everybody up. <laughs> Don't get the clamors is Joey Stallings. Yay! Another match. It's very match heavy this week. What I liked in this happy. match, though, um, I enjoyed the Invisible Dog. And I hate myself for saying that. Well, Vince loved it too. Vince was having a lovely time with it. And you know what the crowd did as well? Well, the heat machine did. 
<laughs> that fake crowd did as well. Well, as long as they're happy, that's all that matters because you know they're judge, jury, and executioner. It's true. Vince, at this point, he's laughing about this invisible dog that Dink, Dink brings out because Stalin sells it. Vince says he laughs like, like that's another apparition. <laughs> he's laughing about Taker dying. <laughs> I thought that was quite sinister as well. I mean, we all deal with death in different ways. But I mean, Jesus, it's the, the man just died. You know, give it <laughs> again. So he, he finally gets around to mentioning Diesel's performance from Saturday, where he threw out seven men in a row and just, and and just beat everybody's ass like consecutively until Savage put a stop to it. So obviously, the big push of Diesel is already beginning in earnest. Oh yes, and just think, by the end of the year, he's gonna be your boy. Not my boy. He's gonna be. Some people had badges with that on. Not my boy. Not my champion. Stallings at one point hit. Stallings at one point hits his cool-looking one-arm sidewalk slam. That like, was. Sweet. Why does every jobber on this show rule? Every jobber on the show has like at least one good move in their arsenal. They've been great. I, I, this is my favorite crop of jobbers. Like this was a good year you know for Harvest. They should hold every show in Virginia and the Carolinas from now on. Because that's where all the good jobbers are grown. I know two Carolina jobbers will be seen very soon on this show. Oh, I know two. Two I know very the young you men mean. at the time. And, and the, the proverbial man from Del Monte approved of both of them. Unfortunately, at this point, his uh, momentum ran out. Don't get a power slam. A David Boy Smith style power slam, which Don't never does. And finishes with the whoopee cushion. Got a lot was, of height on the whoopee cushion, which I thought was nice. It was a shockingly decent little squash match there. They've all been they, like they've they've been mixed bag, but that particular one was good. Like Joey Stallings had a bit of stuff in there. Doink finished off, and it was it was fine. I found myself not being up, not being too offended by Doink. I don't know whether yeah, it's speaking. kind of um, what's what's the term I'm reaching for. Um, inoffensive. Inoffensive Stockholm syndrome. I don't know whether it's Stockholm syndrome from being locked into <laughs> mid nineties wrestling, but this Toy the Clown was fine. Yeah, it wasn't super cool, sinister doink, but it he did what he was supposed to do, and it was not painful. Yeah, it did. What I thought was cool after the matches, all the kids in the crowd ran to the aisleway where the two guardrails were. This was really obvious in this one because they panned out really far just as he got the pin. Mm. And literally the moment the pinfall landed, just this swarm of people on the one side particularly just ran out to try and get high fives. Again, like people like it's a heat machine. Obviously, that's creating some of the major boosts and cheers, but the crowd like him. Yeah, we, and you see it too. It's like, you know, it's, what happened to all these fans? It's like... Instead of just sitting there on your cell phone the entire time, you know, on, on Reddit, like, yeah, I'm, I'm there. He didn't get the pop that they wanted him to get. And it's like, just be a fan. It makes the yeah. show more fun for the people watching at home. Exactly. You know, I, I, I got to say, I think the next big wave in wrestling, you're going to start seeing ironic fans. People who go to the shows and pretend to be Marks. You reckon like you're gonna that's going to be where it goes? You will see groups of people dressed like southern wrestling fans from the 80s 
and start going to shows and acting like it's all real and jolling with the heels. The thing is, I, those there are fans now that do that, and the northeast, not only the northeast of England, has not only a really great wrestling circuit, but it has really great wrestling fans, and they're not fans that will try and get themselves over with chants and stuff. They're fans that, and because I, I'm blessed to work at a couple of the couple of different promotions within this circuit, you'll see a lot of the same fans at different shows and you'll see performers doing different things at different shows and they always play ball and it's great like like i you know they they know this person in this part of the territory is a heel they're a face here we'll boo and cheer accordingly mm -hmm. i like that i do too and, and, and that's why i'm kind of thinking that i'm not alone when i think this I think there's people who watch at home and, and, and see it on TV and it's like, God, there's no energy in this crowd. I mean, maybe I'm not uninhibited enough to you know, be one of those theoretical fans who, who becomes a part of the show by in, while enhancing it at the same time. But you could see people doing that for sure. Just like Almost like fan cosplay, where they're yeah. actually like playing what fans are supposed to be. <laughs> And thus enhancing the show in that sense. I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think you're onto something. The fact that I think that fans will loop back around to being like that again. I think they will. Before we move on, I do oh. want to give special props to the North Wrestling fans. There was one particular match uh, earlier this year. It was Aussie Arrow, Carl Fletcher versus El Fantasmo. Mm. And they started wrestling in slow motion. Oh, God. The referee started moving in slow motion, and then the entire Riverside venue started chanting and clapping in slow motion. Just I think they made completely uninhibited and without prompting, they just did it. And I was able, from my vantage point, because I was backstage, to watch as it happened, and I could see a guy at the bar who had his back to the wrestling, ordering a pint in slow motion. <laughs> I think I think uh, either Colin or Jimmy Olsen whichever one it was was involved in a spot like that many 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 moons ago I don't know if it was Shakara or just one of those similar indies but they were doing the slow motion bit and the referee was in on it and the fans were going this is awesome clap Clap, <laughs> clap, 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 and it was just—I mean, it's, <laughs> it does sound pretty funny seeing that live, though. I can imagine being a part of it. Oh gosh, it's just brilliant. It's just when fans play along, and I think the one you're thinking of—I think that was Shakara. Trying to think, it's been many, many years. Incidentally, interview with Mike Quackenbush on the Cultaholic podcast stream. Right now. Oh, yeah. I set you up for that one, didn't I? Cheap plug. Thank you very much. Episode one of Desert Island Graps featuring Mike Quackenbush. That's all part of the family. <laughs> so, speaking of us right now who have no energy, Lord Alfred Hayes had no energy for his Royal Rumble narration. The 1994 World Wrestling Federation Royal Rumble was one of unbelievable action and unimaginable intrigue. Witness the betrayal as Owen Hart turned on his brother Brett 
once again. I'm not worried about you. I'm worried about myself. Experience the incredible as a conspiracy of many put the Undertaker into a casket, but could not keep him buried for long at all. And who really won the Royal Rumble match? Red Hart or Lex Luger? You decide. The World Wrestling Federation Royal Rumble Encore. You can't afford to miss it. Tomorrow night at 8 Eastern on pay-per-view. Well, I don't know. Because he either had either was he was either tired or he was told, can you sound menacing? And he just felt like taking the Mickey. <laughs> Lord Alfred Hayes as one of the drugs. <laughs> John, that one. John, crack on, mate. <laughs> You're busy this week. <laughs> it's my word, orange. My word. My word. <laughs> but he was so slow in this, and it was just. And, and he, as he talked about the rumble, and, and then the bit at the end made no sense because he went, Who won the match? Was it Lex Luger or Bret Hart? You decide. I said, No, that's not how it works, mate. Jack Tunney's deciding. Don't tell us just, we can choose. I just realized I, I wanted an obscene phone call from Lord Alfred Hayes now. <laughs> what are you wearing, Justin? Which of your. T-shirts are you wearing today? <laughs> That's the one I got from the uh, concert in Philadelphia last year. Thank you for asking. <laughs> Do you have a soda pop or energy drink? I do. <sighs> <laughs> Single white Alfred. John? <laughs> it's Alfred in the scream mask. Double time this week, John. Crack on. Shawn Michaels versus Tyrone Knox. Ah, big Tyrone. Tyrone Knox was like high school moose. He was, wasn't he? He was very, very moose-esque in stature. A little bit Titus. I loved him. And he got a good reaction. Like, there was points where he was giving it to, giving the old combat to Shawn Michaels, and he was getting some love. Uh, he, he definitely was. He, Sean was very giving in this match. I gotta go back to the start of this match though, because you know how the show's been like very badly edited, but like the abrupt commercial cuts. Mm-hmm. When they come back, I think they may have cut a line out here, maybe two lines, maybe seven lines, because Vince randomly t- talks about how next year's Rumble we might see some crash dummies in it. Yeah, I was confused by that. I assumed it would be like a, a TV advert, a national TV ad for crash Probably dummies. For- yeah, for the crash, I mean, you know, don't be a dummy, buckle your safety belt. It's funny because Vince mentions how CBS lost the NFL to Fox. Came out this 25 years ago. And oh, it's, yeah. it's funny hearing it's funny hearing Fox mentioned in this context. And Vince talks about how there's no truth to the rumor that CBS is looking to acquire WWE programming because we're happy on USA Network. <laughs> no, you are not. You are so not, mate. And they're not after you. If CBS came to Vince in 1994 and said, Hey, we'll give you, uh, you know, $400 million in rights fees to air raw. Vince would have been on his knees. Well, 
I'll let you, I'll let you finish that thought, but he, he, he would have definitely been very, very happy. <laughs> he he whatever... would have been all over that like he would a Baron Corbin push. Come on, Lifetime Network. Hey, Vince, we'll pay $200 million. Mwah, mwah, mwah. <laughs> I love it. If we won't even finish the sentence. What a move for my TV show. Let's just say it moved me to a bigger house. <laughs> Let's just say it moved me to a bigger house. Sorry, CBS, we're not for sale. I would laugh if CBS actually was interested in WWE programming. Like, you know what? On Tuesday, let's call Vince. <laughs> let's watch the program first and just make sure this is definitely what we want. Wait, how did those rumors get out? Who did, did you tell somebody? No, did you? No. Well, if he doesn't want us, then you know, I guess there's no point. You know, we'll get some more Major Dad episodes. <laughs> get Major Dad on the line. <clears throat> so Tyrants are heading away. Gets super kicked, though. And Vince, because he's old, compares Sean to Eddie Haskell. Yeah, I didn't get I didn't get that reference. It's from Leave It the Beaver. Right, okay. <laughs> That's why I didn't so, get it. That's 35 years before our time. Christ, and, and, and about six or seven years before he would do a Leave It to Beaver gimmick. Mm, ah, yes, that's right. With Harry Beaver Cleavage. Uh, yes, with his, his mother's name was Mrs. Cleavage because she didn't have a first name. <laughs> Her na name was Mrs. But Sean's not finished with the super kick because it's not his move yet. Not yet. Finished with a pile driver. The kick is merely the prelude. The, the kick, if you're playing WWE 2K19, the kick is the signature move that you have to do in order to unlock the finisher, which you can then do immediately afterwards. Thank God Scott Hall said him down and he's like, like, look, that's your best move, just use it. It's not far, we're not far from like, that, no. are we? It wasn't, we're not, it, it, it was literally Occam's razor remote, the simplest solution is the best one, Chico. So we come back from commercial, the abrupt commercial cut on the show, because there's Christ, there's a lot of them. Next week, I'm going to run down everything they said here. Okay. Next week, Kid versus Polo. Quang will be in action. Brett's on Radio WBF on Saturday. Owen speaks on All-American. Owen is going to be on Raw also. And Brett's going to be on Raw too. Just like Radio WBF. It's going to be him and Lex. Word number one. Owen, IRS the commentator. That's a lot to take in. I mean, that's just throwing everything out there, isn't it? That's almost a raw reunion. I was like, hey, kid, what do you want for Christmas? And he pulls out a big toilet paper and drops it and holds the top part up. Let's see, I want this, 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 and this. It's like, holy, how much is there? You plug so, like two or three things that are impertinent. Amongst amongst that uh, litany of, of, of lethargy... Uh, we have Quang mentioned. As he should be. Are we, so we're getting a Quang debut next week. Well, he already debuted in the Rumble. Well, okay, I, I see the point now, but... A Quang but yes, Raw Quang, debut. Yes, Quang is going to be here. That is wonderful news. I'm excited. I don't... Because... Only because... And as I've mentioned a few times on this podcast, this is my first time experiencing sort of the the new generation era of the WWF, which is why I was excited to sit down and, and work with Justin on it. And um, Quang is somebody that I've never actually seen a match featuring, apart from the Rumble and the odd larger match. I've never seen Quang wrestle one-on-one, -on -one, and I'm excited to see Savio Vega play a ninja. 
You know, Quang was on a video game, sort of. Was he? He was an unlockable character, like like a, like a hack character on the Game Gear version of Roll. <laughs> That's incredible. Look, I'm not, I'm not making this up. I did not know it until like ten years after the fact. So it was a hacked, so a hacked version of WWF Raw on Game Gear. On on the Game Gear featured Quang. Sabio Vega was the original DLC. So that suggests to me that they obviously they made the properties to put Quang in the game and then change their mind. I would assume so. That's what it means, isn't it? Okay, I'm intrigued. I'm excited. Busy one next week then. Oh yes, it's uh, Lex and, Br- Lex and Brett are going to be there. I I think that's when they determine how WrestleMania is going to go. So that's a, v- a very important episode of the show. That's it, because they've alluded to it a couple of times in this one, where they've said Jack Tunney is um, is, is mulling over. He is uh, considering his options when it comes to the main event of uh, WrestleMania. And he'll make a decision soon. I'm pretty sure Tunney just walking down the street like Frank Drebin when he's pondering the case. <laughs> and if anything, he's out like in the world and goes, and where the hell was I? He turns around and realizes he's like in no man's land. <laughs> <laughs> There's a wolf howling in the distance. I like things we walking down. The, I like I like the idea of, of Frank Tunney of Frank Tunney of um, Jack Tunney being replaced <laughs> by Leslie Nielsen with no explanation. So what you're saying is that if Leslie Nielsen were to pop up on WWE program, you'd be very happy about it. Oh, mate! <laughs> I've picked a good well, year, and I. <laughs> oh, you sure as hell have! Oh my god! Bring on SummerSlam, baby. Bring on SummerSlam. Now, I know this week's episode of Raw was... Garbage. (laughs) It was the last of the buffet. Can we give some props to the Enhancement lads, who I think were really strong this week, overall? Absolutely. This was a a damn good crop. Gotta give some love love to George South, who was on the last show before this, I believe. George South, of course, is a friggin' legend, a very underrated one at that. Mm-hmm. Them Carolina guys are a, they're a very talented bunch, and it, it was very evident here. And uh, one bit of business we need to attend to is where do we put good old JR on the now infamous Heenan Bartlett scale? You mean the Crusher Heenan scale? The Crusher. <laughs> Yeah, okay, the crush it. Do we do do we feel bad mentioning Bartlett now he's endorsed our show? Well, it's, it's part damn and, and, and part crush uh um, his performance. Okay, well there, yeah, let's let's we now officially rename it the Crush Heenan scale. Bartlett is just above crush. It was just JR doing play by play JR in a color role. It was not his best work, but it was JR so you know, it's like PT even when it's bad it's good and he wasn't bad so he was definitely good. I'll give him a solid eight and a half. Nice. Okay. I'll I will second that and I'll go with an eight and a half as well. That's a good result for JR. Thank you very much indeed for coming. It was serviceable and he told the stories, which is the point of this episode. It wasn't just it wasn't a very a very story heavy in person show, it was just a story heavy commentary show with scenery. Yeah, a lot of beautiful foreground scenery in the shape of some enhancement boys that we may or may not see again. 
Indeed you do. So that's it for the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review. You may have noticed that this is our new home. We have uh, very much decided that with the impending arrival of All Elite Wrestling, there's probably enough wrestling for your ears on a Wednesday night. So here we are on Saturday nights now, which are all right for fighting, as Elton John once told us. This is true. Um, throughout the week, and basically as... I basically, I've kind of just forced myself upon the Cultaholic podcast stream. Oh, <laughs> oh, you're always welcome here, man. You know that. So you may have noticed uh, there's the haters. Few, bless you, mate. So there's you may have noticed a few more podcasts popping up on your podcast stream. Uh, we now have, in case you haven't, um, the Cultaholic Daily News podcast is now a thing. Monday to Friday, still ten minutes when you wake up, just tells you what's happening in the world. We have a brand new series on a Wednesday night called Desert Island Graps, which will feature wrestling dignitaries sharing their three favorite matches ever. And we'll talk about other stuff as well. And tomorrow, at this time on the Cultaholic podcast stream, a brand new episode of Wrestling Curiosities. Mm-hmm. Now, you did you enjoy the first one, Justin? Don't just I, be nice because I'm here. I, I absolutely enjoyed it. So if you if you haven't heard it yet, uh, it's a series on the weird and wonderful of wrestling, and this one, the first episode, is all about the first ever wrestling match. And I can reveal exclusively on this podcast. I won't say it anywhere else, um, apart from with me and you, and you listening there. Tomorrow's episode is about the wrestling career of Abraham Lincoln. Honest Abe. Honest Abe spent a little bit of time as a wrestler before becoming the 16th president, and we'll dive into that tomorrow here on the... I've plugged loads of stuff, Justin. Do you need to plug anything? Because I'd like to share the wealth. Well, I did want to make sure mention that uh, you know we're very happy to have you in the Carter Hawk fold. You know, you're... People will be... People who aren't into you now, and keep in mind, the majority loves you. But the ones who aren't into you, you know, they'll, they will grow to love you. you. You're very charming. You're very affable, intelligent, and hilarious. Oh. And, and they're gonna love you even more when you take over for for a Rawls for WTF in the month of September. And when you take. <laughs> oh my days! There would be pitchforks. <laughs> I mean, it was inevitable, let's face it. You I, know, I think it'd be quite a good little April Fool, though, just to pop up at the start. <laughs> Bonjour, Jim Appel, Tom Campbell! Oh, <laughs> no. Everyone would kill me. You know what we're going to do? We're going to redo the entire wrestling with a great intro with you doing all of Brian's uh, moves. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Brian started following me on Twitter now. I guess we could pitch this to him. <laughs> And I want to see one of those everywhere. videos with Brian where he gets a guest on and it's just like, hey, what are you doing here? And it just cuts to me in a different room. Oh, I'm here to stop you reviewing that match. I want to do one of them with Brian Zane so badly. <laughs> no, it's like Captain Phillips, look at me. I'm the host of this channel now. <laughs> yes, that's what I want to do. Z-Man, let's work together, buddy. Tom the pirate. <laughs> well, it's very sweet if you say all the things that you've said, and thank you. It's it's and it genuinely, as we could share in the love. Um, one man stuck his head out and said, "Come and do a podcast with me, you you moron," because Matthew's busy. Um, the one no, man no, did no, that. 
no, 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 no. What happened was I, I asked you, hey, are you good with technical stuff? You said yes. I said, is it good? You're my co-host. <laughs> you, you record it and I'll talk. And then it's like, like hey, I actually like this guy. That's amazing. I'll tell you, I'll tell you the truth. Tell you yes. the truth is that um, you, yeah, so basically so what happened is Justin approached me about doing a podcast. And that was how all this nonsense began. And Justin did was very much like, are you good with the technical side? And I went, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. And then, I, then, and then it was at that point I thought, I haven't got a setup at home yet. But I've just said, <laughs> yeah, fine. I think the day after I bought this computer. <laughs> uh, well, well, That's we're pretty much how I've rolled amazing. my whole career when somebody said, oh, can you, can you be at this place at this time? I go, yeah, yeah, I can, definitely. See you then. And then I come off the phone and go, right, how do I get there? <laughs> Our dishonesty has worked out for the better. It certainly, certainly has. So thank you, Justin. None of this would have been happening if, if no, it hadn't been you. for you. And I always want you to know that this podcast is my favorite. It is my own. And I love being here with you. Uh, BS, you told Matthew that on Friday. Yeah, I know. But it just keeps him sweet. <laughs> he cries I, otherwise. I appreciate it. Right. Enough of this sopping us. <laughs> uh, I impression of Matthew crying. Oh, well, uh, <laughs> that's actually also more sad. accurate. I'm trying to do like nerdy dynamite kid because that's how Matthew sounds. <laughs> that should be his Tinder bio. <laughs> at JRH writing on Twitter. I'm at Tom Campbell on Twitter. Together we are at Cultaholic. I'll be your winner. I love you. Bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. <laughs>